Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, member California Max shares his path from an emerging market to a portfolio manager at a top bulge bracket investment bank. How much he's been paid in his career and the best advice to his younger self, as well as what he did when the first job out of his top MBA disappeared within three months, and practical career advice on when to take risks and when to take the safer path. Enjoy. California Max, thanks so much for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So it would be great if you could give the listeners a short uh, summary of your background. Sure. Um, I grew up uh, in emerging markets. Uh, I was always interested in the markets. Um, from a young age, I started reading about investing. Um, and so through books and things like that in my teens, um, it, it's just a passion I developed. Um, and so went to college um, in, in emerging markets, uh, industrial engineering I, I studied. Um, and after graduating and taking a, a role in real estate development for about a year, um, I uh, went into what I really wanted to do, which was um, asset management. And so um, I got a job in doing um, um, fixing income asset management. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did that for, for a few years for um about three to four years, um, but eventually I, I had decided that um, the next step for me was going to be to get a business school education, uh, particularly in the States, uh, as I saw that as a, a really good building block, not only for my career, but also just to develop uh, as a person, get new experiences, and learn new things. So um, um came to the United States. Uh, went to a Ivy League uh, school for my MBA. Uh, I was there for two years, and it was an amazing experience. And not only that, it uh, got me a good job at a uh, an emerging bank in New York um, uh, right after graduation. Mm-hmm. Great. So, um, yep. And then so from there, um, you ended up, it sounds like you ended up eventually going to a bulge bracket bank. Is that correct? Yep, and I ended up going to a ball. Uh, after that, I ended up going to a ball tracking bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a little bit of a convoluted uh, way of getting there because uh, that job I landed after business school, um, the the company went bankrupt within three months of me arriving at the company. Uh, In three months, that's so, crazy. <laughs> that's super fast. Yeah. So, <laughs> so and it, it, 
it would be hard to claim that I was responsible for that. <laughs> my short uh, brief stay, but that has not stopped my friends from. Doing that. Um, yeah, man, you uh, joined and it goes under. I guess, yeah, that'd be. Um, I I definitely make fun of you exactly. for that. So tell me, let's let's exactly. dive. So it sounds like you know you're coming for an emerging market. Um, you're. You see the MBA in the U.S. as a, a, a kind of a stepping stone, a place to kind of get a, more experience, meet new people, build your network, and then potentially it looks like you wanted to stay um, stateside for work, right? So potentially build a life here. Um, how much did you kind of know that going in before you got your MBA? Was that something that was kind of planned? Uh, not necessarily. It was always a possibility, but it wasn't something that I – was that set on on that being the final outcome? Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up uh, meeting the person who to become my wife uh, in business school, and so yeah, it, it just kind of like decided a lot of the plans for me. Uh, <laughs> uh, particularly after my my uh, post business school uh, job went away with the bankruptcy. I seriously considered the possibility of going back home and just getting a really good job over there. Uh, but um, it just wasn't meant to be. It wasn't in the cards for me. Mm-hmm. And talking about network, I actually, through my business school network, is how I landed uh, the following job, which was at a post bracket bank. Um, um, and basically, I found it through cold calling um, school alums. And um, one wow. of them just decided to uh help me out and long story short after uh, more than a couple dozen interviews uh i had a, 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 a i had landed a really good job at a at a big uh big big firm in asset management and do you mind going more specific about what you did for them or you, sure yeah. i was i was working at an internal hedge fund uh managing uh investments uh at a global scale and so investing across the globe um and across um, asset classes so uh, primarily focusing on fixed income currencies commodities and also a little bit of equity so um a, a very broad role um harnessing a large platform of investors mm-hmm. um and so it, with in that capacity i was I was helping to um, uh, with the asset allocation, daily management of portfolios, but also I was participating in um, client-facing interactions. So meeting with clients, meeting with uh, prospects and people that wanted to understand better um, our product and how it, 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 would, it would fit into their uh, existing portfolios. And you had done a similar job prior to getting your MBA before, so for almost three years. So was this kind of, similar how is how is it different going from kind of what i'd assume would be a smaller company to this larger built bracket bank was obviously you were more senior you had the mba did the mba help at all and then just how are they different i actually think the mba helped with getting me in the door mm-hmm. but once i got or, or helped with getting the the initial interviews um, right, because it was through alum. Through yeah, it was through networking. alum. Yeah, yeah, through the alum. Exactly. Yeah. Because it was a warm introduction. Yeah. But uh, once I was interviewing, the MBA didn't really matter at all. Um, it was really all about uh, my past experiences being able to help me uh, do a good job. Um, and so 
uh, I would say that I would give that advice to anyone that's uh, uh, thinking of the MBA as, as, as this key that's going to open so many doors that uh, I, I think is more that the job that you would have gotten before you went on your MBA is probably the same job that you could be getting afterwards, unless you're going for one of those jobs that is uh, traditional uh, MBA kind of like uh, post-MBA type of jobs like investment banking, management consulting, those type of things. Right. No, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. If you're like a career changer coming from like the consultant trying to break into banking, then the MBA can be really helpful or an accountant, for example, um, trying to get into management right. consulting. Yeah, that can be, um, I totally agree with that. Um, yeah, especially in, in your line of work, you know, in your line of work where it's really like portfolio management slash traders slash people kind of that are dealing with the market it's so much more, I feel like a meritocracy in the sense of that, like the MBA isn't as valued is, would you agree with that? Yeah, no. And look, it's not that the MBA isn't valued. It's more that, um, at the MBA, you're not necessarily acquiring, uh, many of the hard skills that you need to perform these roles. Mm -hmm. And it's for MBAs are more of a, a place where you acquire a lot of soft skills. And so those are more useful uh, not so much at the associate level where most people come um, into uh, the banks after the MBA. It's more the type of skill set that has been looked for more on the VP level of high or higher. And so, right, that's why you're in front of, of clients. Where, yeah, they started putting you in front of clients. You had the MBA. You had a little more polish. Um, got it. That makes sense. Exactly. So, but in terms of the the actual like hard skills that you're talking about, did you feel like you were actually a little bit rusty when you kind of went to the bulge bracket bank? Did you feel like you were developing while you were getting your MBA? Were you doing things on the side um, that was helpful, or was the academic side of the MBA not very did kind of nothing for your career? Um, and that's fine. At least for me, I... it was the, it was the same for me. I went from. Uh, investment banking to private equity to running Wall Street Oasis. So you can imagine um, the <laughs> it wasn't exactly applicable. Applicable. Some of the yeah. stuff around entrepreneurship and marketing did help me, but um, I'd love to hear. Yeah, I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, no. Well, well what's helpful was uh, just staying on top of the markets and understanding what's happening. Because mm -hmm. um, ultimately, at least for the type of job that I was going after. Uh, so people want to understand or people want to see how you think about markets and not so much because they want to know, they want you to nail exactly what they think because mm -hmm. everyone has just a different view, but it's more because they want to see a, that, uh, how you think and how you, you, uh, how you, you're trying to sell the, that investment puzzle. Right. But the other reason is because they want to see that uh, you actually like doing this and you've kept on, you, you stayed on top of whatever's happening in markets. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's, so it's, it's really because of those things. Um, now, regarding the hard skills, um, it, it, a lot of these things are more of a um, experience type of thing. Like, um, I don't know, if you trade it for two to three years, like even if, if you stop for a couple of years and you come back, yeah, system things may have changed, but you still remember how to do it, right? Um, so mm -hmm. um, a little bit like riding a bike, I would say. Yeah, that's fair. So let's go back a little bit into your actual story of, you know, getting the MBA and then you join this firm and it goes bankrupt. What happens then? Was it, it must have been a shock. I mean, within three months, 
you join this firm and then they say, sorry, you're out of the job or we're going under or how, do, how did that happen? Um, why do you think, do you think they knew before you started and they just, you know, they probably had their, they probably had their other concerns not to even give you a heads up or, um, I'd love to just hear a little bit about that. And then specifically how you, I, you know, you, you mentioned you started reaching out to alums to help you get land at the bulge bracket after, you know, that unfortunate circumstance, but I'd love to hear more specifics around how, you know, how you structured that outreach. What would, what was the hit rate on that? And then specifically, um, a little more about the recruiting. Sure. Um, I actually, um, got a job, uh, at the company that went bankrupt. I also got it through an alum. So, uh, very senior alarm on the company, uh, managed, uh, had visited campus and we just hit it off. And so, uh, a few months later, I had an offer from their firm. Uh, the truth is that the company was doing quite well, or at the least was an up-and-coming company. Um, and I don't think anyone really saw uh, the bankruptcy coming. Uh, what ended up happening was a run in the bank, which can happen to any um, bank or any financial institution who um, borrows short and lends long, right? Mm. And so... Um, what happened in this instance was um, it was around the time of um, uh, turmoil in, in European markets. And so um, the company had a few investments in, in European markets and that created a confidence crisis and created, it created rating agencies downgraded the company. And because of that, there was more of a confidence crisis. So people started selling bonds, which ended up um, sending the credit ratings even lower so it was a vicious cycle. So it was just so a lot of the, the fixed, of the a lot of the fixed income investments of this firm were tied into European. It was a deteriorating kind of. It, it was stuff they were long. It was fixed income they were long that it was just rapidly deteriorating the market, and they were just too overexposed exactly. to that specific those specific European uh, markets. Exactly overexposed, okay. and and ultimately it was. Like I said, a run in the bank. So yep. uh, investors pull their money, credit rating, credit rating agencies downgrade their debt. Investors pull even more money, and mm. so until at the end, the, the, the only the only true solution for the problem was eventually going to be a bankruptcy, which was exactly what ended up happening. And so, um, yeah, the the company went under uh, within three months of my arrival. And what I did is I just turned around and started. Uh, reaching out to alums and, and people I knew. Um, how I how much time did you have? How much of a heads up did you have before you were kind of just with no job and no paycheck? Uh, it, like probably a week before the company went under, it looked like it was probably going to be the, the final state. And so that's when I started uh, – I started. I started kind of like my search again, right? But did you like? Uh, were you getting weird. paid? Were you getting paid only for one week longer, or like were you at least paid for? Were you technically employed for like long, so that you could at least be looking um, under the guise of no. employment? No, it was like gone. No, within the, that the, fast. Com- the company basically went under, and to be honest, like I. I, I, of course, like I stopped getting paid like uh, a couple of weeks after the company went under or something like they no seven, no nothing. But right. like, I, it was, I did a lot better. There were people that had been there for like dozens of years, you know, and yeah. those, those people like, um, lost a lot more than someone that had just shown up. So, yeah. um, I, I, 
I, it was more of a, um, it's more of a, an interesting story for me rather than a, a, a really difficult chapter of my life, which I think it was for some of my former colleagues. About Why do you think that was just because it was harder for them? They've been entrenched longer and they, some of their ideas were the ones that caused some of it. Or do you think it was because they, like you're saying they had maybe options in, in the company that lost a lot more money? Or all you, of the above, yeah, all of the yeah. above, but also uh, because of the stage in my career, I uh, yeah. I was at the stage in my <laughs> career where it's a lot easier to uh, uh, have a uh, let's call it a failure. Have uh, well, it wasn't uh, really your failure. You had just joined, so it's an easy story. It's like, yeah, clearly you've read the headlines, and it's just this company's gone or whatever, or it's it's looking really but, bad. Exactly, but what yeah. I was doing is is with. Uh, it's just a time when you're, uh, earlier in your career, it's a lot easier to take on more risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this was one of those instances where, uh, yeah, I could have chosen to go to the, bol- the pulse bracket route, but I chose to go to a smaller company that perhaps would have done a lot better. It ended up not happening. <laughs> thankfully, I had, a, I had already been recruiting or I, I had been in touch with uh, other other institutions because really that's what the NBA is, a two-year uh, career or job search. Yep. Uh, so um, I just reactivated those uh, um, warm leads. Those connections I got made, yep. warm leads, exactly, yep. and um, uh, was able to capitalize on one of them. I guess. Although yeah, I, I did stay unemployed basically for for uh, a little bit, a little bit less than uh, or around four or five months, I think. Did you start getting nervous near the end? Like three months in, four months in, or did you, did you have enough kind of leads and interviews going on that you were confident? Uh, I think no matter what you get, I don't want to say nervous, but you just get antsy, you know? Did you have you some just, debt with, uh, from school? Did you have a lot of debt that you had to pay from school or no? Uh, yeah, I had debt to pay, exactly, things yeah. like that. So, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that stuff can be, can be difficult. At the same time, um, the one thing you do not want to do is just jump into the first opportunity you get, um, just because you just need to be back, you know. Yeah. Um, and so uh, you just—it's it, it, just a matter of uh, um, uh, what's it called? Um, being able to manage your time in a way where you're being productive, um, while at the same time um, understanding that, like, the lack of results maybe after I don't know a few weeks or months or whatever it is mm-hmm. uh, may not be necessarily just tied to whatever efforts you are undertaking on your part, but it also may be um, the market environment, maybe the, the right fit for you has not has not appeared, uh, those types of things. So you've got to keep counting the payment. Yeah, it's interesting you, you talk about being productive. I had another guest on recently who talked about, you know, a time he was unemployed after graduating. He talked a lot about setting up a schedule for himself, like going to the library in the morning and, you know, just to make sure that every day it was almost like his job and, um, I think there's a lot to be said for that because when you're, you know, having a lot of idle time can be very tough, both just on your productivity and just on uh, mentally on yourself. So I think if anybody finds himself in this position, definitely try to structure your time as much as possible, or that's the gym or the, you know, setting aside certain hours of the day to, to kind of, uh, like yeah. you said, keep hitting the pavement. So, Okay, so you you were reaching I, I, out. I would, agree, I would agree with that, and I would add one more thing. I yeah. think it's also good to keep track of the, even if they're small, but the, whatever small wins, right? Like, mm-hmm. 
okay, I reached out to XYZ number of people, I got XYZ or this fraction of people got back to me, you know? And so I actually have these follow-up meetings with all these different people coming up. And so those are small wins and there may, those may not lead to, to an actual uh, offer, but uh, at least you're making progress. You know, and, yeah. and ultimately a job search is really a, a networking exercise. Yeah. And then in terms of the specific network and the alumni, it sounds like it's a pretty strong alumni network. You know, you got your first job out of your MBA, obviously didn't go very well, but then you immediately went back to that well and started, you know, keeping those contacts warm and um, talking with people. And then specifically, you know, what was the hit rate on those? So you were specifically reaching out to people? Was it something where you'd reach out to 50 alumni and, and three would get back to you or would you reach out to 50 alumni and 20 would get back to you? What do you think that, what, what, what was more accurate? I think it's more the latter, mm-hmm. uh, but I did go to a school with a very strong network. Uh, I would mm-hmm. say in general, um, whatever the numbers are, it doesn't necessarily reflect on the individual reaching out. Many times people just don't have the time or don't even pay attention, but uh, make it easy on the people you're reaching out to, right? So yeah. keep your email short, concise, uh, be specific about what exactly you want you want from them. Hey, I want to meet you for coffee. Hey, I just want to have a small uh, uh, phone call with you to uh, learn more about X, Y, and Z. And the other thing is I would say in general, uh, people are much more receptive when you say you're looking for advice rather than just saying, Hey, I want you to find me a job, you know? Yeah, I think absolutely. And I think when you, I guess one question I had is once you have those um, coffee chats, advice, you know, informational interviews, are you at all trying to hint um, or is it just so obvious you don't really even just say, Hey, if there's any openings, you just, I'd assume if they like you, they would ask for the resume, right? Are you still trying to sell anything at the end? Or are you just leaving that up to kind of just building the relationship? Like, how- I think it, it, it just depends. It just yeah. depends on 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 each individual's case. Um, like, I've had instances where I actually leave with my on my email. I leave with my resume and I say, "Hey, I'm looking for X, Y, and Z, and here's so you can get a better picture of my background." Mm-hmm. In other instances, I may actually hold back that piece of information and not necessarily make it abundantly clear that I'm looking for a job, but uh. Um, I why do you do that? What 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 makes that? Yeah, what makes that determination for you? Can you give me an example why you would do um, one or the other? Well, the one maybe uh, they, there's a there's a specific opening at uh, the Got place it. where this person works. Okay, and so you may you may want to like be like, hey, this is exactly I, I found this opportunity and this is my background. I think they they fit one one with the other fits right. Got it. Yep. Um, on the on the other hand, why you would not necessarily send uh, your resume to someone you're reaching out to, um, it, it, it just may be too much information. As I said, you want to keep it brief, you want to keep it concise, uh, and the more information you provide to someone that may not give your email more than five ten seconds, uh, the less effective you are at communicating. Oh, right? I've had I've had people so I've I've had people uh, write me an entire book of their whole life story on a LinkedIn message. And I'm just like, what is this mm-hmm. person? I can't even scroll. I'm like, this is insane. Like, well, this person needs to mm-hmm. go <laughs> read Networking 101. But anyways, really interesting. Um, okay, so uh, do you mind sharing, just even if it's a, a range, um, uh, do you mind sharing your pay either pre, uh, pre-MBA and then post-MBA kind of, uh, it doesn't have to be exact, but just to give the listeners a, a rough idea of, of what, 
they would expect a kind of this portfolio manager type um, VP level fixed income sure. level. That'd be great. Sure. Free uh, uh, MBA, uh, because I came from emerging markets, I was actually more in the uh, around 60K. Mm-hmm. Uh, post MBA, uh, I was closer to um, post school, closer to 200K. Uh, and then later on, uh, between three and 400K. As you got promoted and stuff. Or as you took mm-hmm. on more responsibility. Okay, great. Thanks for sharing. So, and then for you, what's next? What's the what's the plan? Um, uh, the plan is to uh, work for my for my, work for my own company. Uh, just something that I've always wanted to do, uh, and so I've been uh, uh, trying to do trying to uh, implement the skills I've learned uh, working uh, with others or working for others. Uh, into um, uh, going back to emerging markets and using that that experience to provide uh, services that uh, may not be as prevalent in mm-hmm. in other geographies as is, for example, in uh, first world uh, like like in the U.S. So cool. that's the plan. That's great. And so, are you? What's are you doing? That I assume you're fundraising right now. Then it sounds like are exactly you? awesome. Well, good luck with all that, man. It's exciting. Thank you. <laughs> and let me know if I can be helpful at any time. And um, yeah, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners before we call it? Uh, and it, anything you do. Yep. yep, go ahead. The, 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 the bit where I said, uh, I do think that the earlier in your career uh, that you can take on risk, um, the better it is. Um, as, as I'm finding out now, where I'm uh, uh, starting my own business, uh, I just wish I had started this. Uh, a lot earlier. Uh, I'm loving it, but uh, uh, it would have been a lot easier before. Uh, before but you're you doing it. More responsibility. Yeah, exactly. yeah. You're doing it though, so that's so, the important part. A lot of people talk about it, but it's really tough to actually jump and do it. So, um, I agree. Tip your hat. I tip your I agree. tip my hat to you. Well, um, awesome. Thank you, California Mac, and thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.